Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Being an athlete, much like being an entrepreneur, is all about patience. Patience in your training, patience with your motivation, patience with your goals. Nothing happens overnight, and nobody knows this better than professional soccer player, Amobi Okugo. After being drafted as a freshman at UCLA, Amobi had to learn how to find a place to live, ways to stretch his money, and how to stay focused on his athletic career. His experience led him to launch the financial literacy platform of Frugal Athlete, a resource for athletes to learn about the financial decisions they'll have to make in order to follow their passions and a place to teach others about the value of money. In today's episode, Amobi shares how he stays committed when life gets in the way why we need to get better at being patient and the life skills we can all take from the sporting world. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. And help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Amobi. Amobi, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Nah, thank you so much for having me. It's a true pleasure. Awesome. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing as a professional athlete and also in the financial literacy space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really <laughs> appreciate you taking the time. Oh, most definitely. Let's, let's get into it. Awesome. Cool. So, you know, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, most definitely. So uh, obviously, I'm a Mobi Akugo. Uh, I'm a first generation Nigerian American, uh, oldest of four siblings, uh, was raised in Sacramento, 
uh, grew up playing soccer and basketball until soccer uh, took over. And uh, I've had the fortune and pleasure of playing professional soccer for the past uh, 10 plus years. Uh, but outside of that, I started a football athlete, which is an online financial media platform that essentially helps athletes make, manage and multiply their money through financial education and athlete empowerment. Um, so our main goal is to you know, help um, spread financial literacy using athlete content and sports business terminology. And uh, outside of that, just, you know, love to collaborate with people, love to try to make impact and love to try to be a value add. So I do a couple of media things on the side, you know, that foundation, you know, invest a little bit. So um, I like to stay busy at the end of the day, <laughs> um, but it's, it's a good type of busy because I'm, you know, learning and leaning on a, a lot of really cool people and um, hopefully, you know, trying to make some impact at the end of the day. We are definitely making some impact, that's for sure. Um, no, I love it. Oh, yes. I'm also half Nigerian. Just thought I'd throw that in there. There you hey, go. But obviously in, in Australia, not in the US. Um, that's so cool. So what, you know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, growing up in Sacramento, you know, what was that time like for you as kind of a first gen um, you know, growing up in the US. And I guess, how do you think that time impacted the choices you made in your life and in your career so far? No, that's a great question. I think for me, it was, it was tough on my parents because I was like the guinea pig being the oldest. Uh, so, you know, having two Nigerian parents, um, they were raising me, you know, and my siblings for that matter, just like as Nigerians would in Nigeria, but we are in America. So like we're getting two different, you know, upbringings. Uh, and it was that interesting dynamic of like applying some of the good things that we learned from a Nigerian culture and then like sprinkling in with some of the modern things that you would learn from the melting pot that is uh, American culture. So uh, it was a unique experience. You know, I want to change it for the world because a lot of lessons and a lot of discipline that helped me be successful uh, much later in my life stemmed from the way my parents, you know, raised us. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you guys could have took it a little bit uh, easier on me like you guys do with my younger siblings. Uh, but just me being the oldest, I think gradually as they got older and more uh, integrated into the American culture, they were starting to lean in. I was like, all right, we can apply that lesson from American culture and mix it into where as I was growing up, those the Nigerian way or, or the wrong way. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a unique experience. Oh my goodness. I just always find it so fascinating, you know, looking back and kind of looking to the roots, you know, I think they do shape us as entrepreneurs, as people that, you know, don't take that traditional path, you know, at what point when you were growing up, you said you played basketball and soccer, you know, at what point did you, lean in to those sports and was that encouraged by your parents or did they just think oh you know you're wasting your time or something yeah so originally sports was just a, a way for us to you know stay active you know build friendships within the uh, like school community and then uh you know just make sure that we stay out of trouble in the sense of like you know idle mind you know st goes down the wrong path so uh for us it wasn't like you know we're going to get into sports and you're going to be a professional soccer player. That was never the case. It was more like use it as a vehicle to establish some good social skills, stay active, you know, build character. And then, you know, it just started gradually, you know, progressing, you know, 
I, you know, I, I developed at an early age, you know, to play at a high level. And then it, it, it turned into, okay, well, we don't want to pay for school. Maybe you can use it to get a scholarship. Um, and then that's kind of what was the, like the next step. And then I kept progressing and developing. And then that's when, you know, the professional opportunity came, but it wasn't like that was the end all be all. It was more about how can you use sports as a vehicle to, you know, travel the world, experience all these opportunities that are given to you to get a wonderful education, to springboard your career long-term um, after you're done playing. So it was never like, all right, you're going to play and you're going to go pro and uh, we're going to see you on TV. That was, that was never the case for my, for my, for my parents. I think it's always so interesting, you know, in those early days as teens and whatnot, when we're just kind of doing our, what we love. And, you know, for you, it was just to stay, stay out of trouble, you know, keep yourself active. And your parents were like, great, don't have to worry about him. He's, you know, staying active. What do you think is the difference in, I guess, the mindset at that time when you're just kind of doing it for fun versus when you make the decision to do it for real? Uh, that's a great question. I think you just play free. And when you play free, you actually play better because you're not so focused on, oh, I got to do this. If I don't reach this bare meter, then I, I failed. Where he's just like, you know, I'm playing with my friends. We're having a good time. We're trying to win. Um, and when you play free, you play better. It's just like I've taken that approach to uh, my professional career. And obviously there's a little bit more stakes, but um, when you're so kind of like by the book and like, you know, trying to reach all these uh, different analytical goals that you have to reach from a standpoint of like, I need to train three hours and I need to work on this for 1.5 of the hours. And it's just it, it gets you know, that's how burnout happens. That's when it's not fun. That's when you're playing constricted. But when you're playing free and understanding like, yo, at the end of the day, we're going to try to have fun and we're going to try to win and we're going to do everything in our power to do that in a free mindset capacity um you end up reaching a lot of those goals so for me growing up it was more about you know i like playing soccer i like winning and i want to be able to do that more consistently so i'm going to work on my game so that that can happen it wasn't like all right i need to be pro by this age and if i don't make sure i'm working on these type of passes then uh, you know it wasn't like that but indirectly by making sure that i liked winning and i liked having fun um, i was getting that training that i needed but from a different lens i love that shift in kind of mindset and outlook i think so many of us can get caught up i know definitely i can in like what's that next goal for the business or you know what's my next goal in my career or whatever it is and how can i like strategically get there and yeah. you know whatever <laughs> yeah. but and i'm 100% a culprit of that how can we shift our mindset from strict and rigid and really goal oriented to more free flowing and being in flow yeah that's a great question because like for me when it comes to business i i, I definitely do need to work on that a little bit more like <laughs> yo these goals we got to hit it by q4 if we don't hit it by <laughs> q4 then q1 we're behind you know yeah. so different things like that but, but from the standpoint of understanding like all right am i passionate about this and that's uh, when it comes to business a lot of people are like all right, are you in it just to make money? Are you in it to answer a, a problem? Are you in it to provide a solution? Are you in it because you're passionate about it? And I feel like a lot of times when people do business, um, 
they can't answer those questions. And that's when they have a lot of trouble around, you know, reaching their goals um, because it's not clear to them. So when it comes to, you know, business, entrepreneurship, corporate space, I think having that clarity of what's my why and, you know, then it's like, how how am I going to get there? And then what am I going to do? If you have like that clear roadmap, then everything else gets easier. Um, and it's not it's not about, you know, reaching it by a certain deadline or because, you know, you're eventually going to get there as you continue mm-hmm. to go down your journey. Um, but the journey has to be worth it. And I think a lot of times when it comes to us as go getters in this mentality now, it's almost like, how come it's not here yet? How come it's not here yet? Instead of enjoying the the journey and the process of what an overnight success is, which is at least seven to 10 years. <laughs> if if we look at, you know, the case studies and history lessons that have been provided to us just in real life. I love that. So I want to dive a bit deeper into the story, you know, so you're playing for fun. It's all happening, but you're staying consistent. Then you head off to, I think it was UCLA mm-hmm. to do your freshman year there or something yeah. before you went off to become a professional soccer player in 2010 can you talk to us a little bit about that mindset there from going oh i'm just playing you know in my teens for fun to hey i could get a scholarship and and go to this university and then kind of the shift out of that to go play soccer professionally yeah so i would even take it a step uh step back further you know Mm -hmm. so i got invited to the residency program uh my sophomore year of high school and that's kind of when that shift happened it's like oh yeah this is fun but now it's like there's some, you know, uh, collateral to it. So I I was fortunate enough to get invited to the residency program that was in Florida. And essentially it's like boarding school, ultimately to compete for the U-17 national team program, uh, the World Cup. So once I got invited to that program, um, that was kind of shift in mentality, still having fun, still enjoying, still like winning. But that was like, you know, you got to compete because someone's taking your spot. You know, you're competing for the youth national team. And then from there, that was the mindset of, Okay, I can possibly get a you know a serious scholarship from this, and then you know maybe uh, professional soccer is an opportunity. Uh, my parents at the time still were like, "Oh, okay, this just increases his odds for uh, uh, opportunity to you know possibly go to Stanford or Harvard or wherever they wanted me to go at the time." <laughs> um, but I eventually went to UCLA, and you know we had a great season. We had a good we had a good team, and you know coach you know had us you know gelling on all cylinders. And it just all happened so quick. You know, a couple of teams were very interested in my services and I ended up declaring for the draft and I got drafted uh, after my freshman year. So my coach, he, he always used to joke with me. He's like, I recruited you for three years and you only gave me three months. Um, but that's just how it happened. And everything happened quick. And then, you know, once you go pro, yeah, it's fun. But at the end of the day, it's a job. So uh, I was 18 at the time competing with, you know, older guys that had families and were trying to put food on the table. So that's, you know, that's when the mindset started to shift in terms of, yeah, you know, it's fun to be a professional athlete. But at the end of the day, if you're not performing at a high level consistently, uh, you can, you'll, you'll, you'll stop being a professional athlete very quickly. So, um, for me, you know, being that young, I had to grow up real quick, living on my own. Um, not that I hadn't done that before, you know, college and then uh, moving to residency, but it's just a little bit different when you're paying your own bills and, you know, you got to, you know, you know, do different things like set up utilities and stuff like that. So, um, 
grew up quick, but you know, I've enjoyed every second of it thus far. You know, soccer career has lots of ups and downs, but uh, the most important thing is staying on the ride for as long as you can and uh, go from there. Can you talk to us a little bit about the shift from, oh my goodness, you know, I'm just a kid when I'm 18 and it's fun to like, I've got to pay my bills and like, this is all up to me and here we go. You know, could you talk to us a little bit about that shift, how that happened for you and kind of how you navigated that time and for our peers out there listening who feel like they're about to experience that shift, especially financially, what advice would you have for us? I would say you got to dive with both feet in. I think for me, you know, uh, so, you know, you get drafted, they want to make you feel situated. So we had the hotel for a certain amount of time, but then, you know, after a certain period, they want you to like, you know, you got to get your own spot. So they're like, you know, you guys got a week to find your own spot. You know, so me and my teammate that uh, we both got drafted the same year, we we're going to be roommates. And now it's like, Oh wait, we got to find our own spot. So we're like, sending in applications, going around the city, doing things like where it's like, oh, I thought we guys going to help us. It was like, yeah, we helped you. We sent you guys a realtor you guys to use or you know, like, but it wasn't like, you know, coddling us like normally, you know, as, as we grew up like UCLA, they tell you what dorm you're going to be in, different things like that. So that was like kind of like understanding like, yeah, at the end of the day, you're on your own and uh, you got to dive in feet first. So my biggest thing when it comes to like, you know, that transition, whatever it's, you know, sports, business, life, you got to dive in with both feet and you got to fail forward. Um, so instead of worrying about, you know, failing and, you know, hesitating to like start something, uh, you, you do it, you fail, you iterate, you do it, you succeed, you double down, you do it, you fail, you iterate again. And that's the process of life. That's the process of anything that you're going to do. And um, that's kind of what uh, we did. So when we first tried to get our apartment, like they're like, you guys have no credit, all this nonsense. And we're like, yo, we just got drafted. Our contracts, like we're making good money. And we're like, well, we have no proof of that. So like understanding that I wouldn't even not known about like understanding, like you have to have credit to like potentially get a spot, you know, different things like that. Um, but as we learned, you know, maybe you have to get a guarantee or you got to cut a co-signer because you're young understanding different things like that. And now it's like, it's a whole different process. What was the most challenging part of those early days as a professional athlete? You know, you, you mentioned that it's been ups and downs over the last 10 years, but you know, what was the most challenging part for you and how did you tackle that? Yeah, I think for me, my first year, I barely played and growing up, all my life, I was like a starter and, you know, played every minute, played every game, was captain. So coming into the seat, uh, the rookie season and understanding like they drafted me, I was in the fir first round pick, uh, top six pick. I was like, OK, they drafted me for a reason, like they want me to play. And that first year I played like 11 games total. So I was like pulling my hair. I was just like, yo, I need to go to another team. Like, why did, did they're wasting my time? I'm wasting their time. It's cool let's like figure something out so understanding like sometimes there's a process um to you know getting what you ultimately want um and understanding that uh was was um uh, was was a bit of self-reflection um but we ended up getting it done i ended up like breaking through and you know having a having a you know pretty good career but i don't think it happens if everything's easy my first year so understanding like you know, sometimes you got to wait for your moment or you got to like, you know, find ways to take 
uh, your opportunity, you know, by the horns. Um, and then out, outside of that, from a personal finance standpoint or entrepreneurship standpoint, it's like understanding simple things like, you know, things you take for granted, like understanding taxes and like, you know, having to manage your own bills. And, you know, it gives you appreciation for all the work that, you know, your parents and elders have done for you growing up. How can we get better at being patient and enjoying the process when it feels like we're stuck? I think for me, it's, you know, always thinking like the long game, you know, and it's tough because everything's so accessible to us. And it's like that now, now, now mentality and the way of life that we live. But if you think about it from like a snowball effect, like this decision, it may not, you know, lead to what I want tomorrow or next week or next month. But I know that these consistent habits or these consistent decisions that I'm making is going to ultimately get me what I want at the end of the road. And I always think of like that depiction of the two like uh, mine workers. And it's like one that's like right next to the diamond. And they like, there's like a little bit of dirt between him and the diamond. And he, he's, he about, he's about to turn around and give up. And then you have another like description of the guy, like he's not even close, but you could tell in his like facial expressions that he's not stopping until he reaches it. So understanding that you are closer to what you want than you appear uh, and like just sticking to it. Uh, obviously within reason, um, got to be smart about it, but I feel like a lot of times if you show like the qualities it takes to like, you know, succeed at something, even if that thing that you want doesn't happen, you're going to get redirected to the thing that you were supposed to get. And understanding that from a long-term perspective, uh, it make, it makes all the difference in what you do and how you go about what you do. Such sage advice. Love it. So I want to talk a bit about the idea for the frugal athlete. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, August of 2016, you're six years into your kind of athletic, you know, your your professional career as a soccer player, and then you have this idea for a frugal athlete. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that time was like? You know, you've passed those hurdles of I'm not playing at all. You're five, <laughs> six years in, and then you have this business idea. What was that time like, and where did the idea come about? Yeah, so uh, yeah, it came out of nowhere. To be honest, I saw the Thirty for Thirty Broke documentary, and that kind of like uh, inspired me to like do more research around athletes that were being smarter with their money rather than like athletes that lost all their money. And you know, I was really into entrepreneurship marketing at the time in terms of like just you know seeing different businesses pop up and you know having some capital to play around with. So I started off as a blog, just like writing about athletes that I, I, you know, thought were role models in the sense of this is what it means to be a frugal athlete. And essentially the name of frugal athlete came because a lot of my teammates and peers were like, yo, you're cheap, you know, <laughs> you're cheap with your money. You don't like to spend it. And I was like, no, frugal is the better term, you know, to use. It was like just a play on words. So when I was thinking about different like names and, you know, what I wanted to do, I was like a frugal athlete, you know, similar to like the penny hoarder or the points guy. A frugal athlete is something you can get behind in terms of like, like written by the frugal athlete or written by a frugal athlete. And that's what the idea of it was. That's how it came about. And so far it's been, it's been good, you know, started off as like a small blog, but now we've, we've grown, you know, tremendously and uh, got like a mini media empire that we're trying to build and grow from. 
It's so cool. I love the stories when it's like it started as a blog or like, yeah. you know, for me, it's like it started as a podcast and that's where, you know. <laughs> Could you talk to us a little bit about those early days of the blog? So, you know, you're hustling away. You're probably, you know, still playing a lot of soccer. It's all happening. Yeah. How did you balance the two at that stage? And for you, was the hunger or desire to grow this big or were you like, oh, it's just going to be a blog, like it's a fun part-time project? Talk to us a little bit about your mindset at the time. No, that's a good point. So when I first started, I knew it was always going to be big. I just didn't know how I was going to get it big, if that makes sense. Like I knew the potential of, you know, where personal finance information was going. Athlete, you know, athletes doing more than just like playing sports and, you know, with, different ways affiliate marketing and content was going. I knew like a frugal athlete has a lot of potential in terms of where it can go. I just had no idea how it was going to get there. So initially, you know, I spent a lot of money unnecessarily on trying to grow like the the optics of it, like the logo and making the website look cool and not really understanding like, yo, this is going to be our business model. We're going to write content. We're going to do affiliates. We're going to do sponsored posts. I didn't know any of that. I was just like, it got to look cool first and foremost. Uh, so if I were to do it again, I would just literally have like a medium profile or just a blog and just like, yo, we're going to write content. And then as we continue to grow, we, we expand from there, but you know, fail forward. That's the mentality. So originally I was like, all right, a blog a week, every Tuesday, I'm going to try to write a blog, just talk about one athlete that I think is doing it right. And then go from there, maybe a couple of tweets here and there, maybe a couple of Instagram posts, but the written content, a blog a week. And then from there, as I continue to figure out my time and just my process, then I started building on that, um, started a podcast and then now we're starting to video content. Like, but it originally started with one blog per week and then just kind of go from there. How did you stay motivated to do that blog post a week? I mean, you know, we're all so busy. And I can imagine at the time, five years deep into your career, you're busy. You know, you're flying around, you're doing what you have to do. Yeah. How do we stay committed when life happens? Uh, yeah, it was tough. But luckily, I have some people in my corner that held me accountable. Uh, so that's why it's important sometimes to share your ideas with you know, whether it's mentors or friends that, you know, are going to be able to push you and ask for help, too. So sometimes um, I wasn't going to be able to write a blog. You know, I had I was doing school at the time on the side as well. I was, you know, we were in the thickest season, uh, but I would convince other athletes to, you know, yo, you should write a blog about, you know, your your personal finance journey or like, yo, write answer these questions. And like I just give them like five questions that I had like already pre-written. And then like that would be like a blog one week. So trying different ways to be creative and like, you know, maximize your efficiency when it comes to time and making content, because that's very difficult, as you know, someone that makes content um, and then kind of go from there. I love it. When did it turn from blog to business? One of my mentors challenged me. I think it was like a year in because I don't even count like it started in 2016, but I don't even count the first eight months because it was just there. Uh, but my one of my mentors uh, challenged me. He's like, you know, you could build like a legit business out of this. And I was like, I know, but how? <laughs> and he was like, hey, if you need help, ask. But um, yeah, you have a lot of potential with a full athlete. So 
keep keep going but do a little bit more challenge yourself to do more so that's when i like really buckled down i was like all right let's write like a business strategy around how we're going to go about it what's our what's our revenue model what's our business model who are what's our target demographic things that i didn't really answer before i was just like you know this is cool to me i think it's interesting information and i think if i like it other people will uh, but how do we go about you know, having a process of like a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, and then going from there. I feel like sometimes we can get caught up in the, not the planning, but not the doing, you know, when we set those plans and when we have those projections, Mm -hmm. if we don't meet them, how do we still persist? How do we still build when we feel like, oh, I'm so far away from that five-year projection I made or whatever it may be. How do we navigate that? Yes, that's 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 tough. I think you have to have a combination of like goals that are accomplishable and then stretch goals that will continue to like dangle the carrot in front of you. Because if you have a bunch of goals that you don't reach, then it's going to get frustrating. But then if you have a bunch of goals that you easily hit, then it's like, you're not doing enough. So it's that balance of having goals where, uh, and not goals where it's like tasks that you cross off the list because it's easy to just say, all right, our goal is to post content. You know, you got to have like, uh, well, let me not assume everyone knows like the smart method, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, uh, realistic, and then timely when it comes to like setting goals. But you also have to have stretch goals that are going to, um, you know, push you beyond your boundaries, push you beyond your limits. And then within that, I think it's important to have a a roadmap. So you have like your destination, but then you have to reverse engineer it step by step. Because so, for example, if I were to drive to L.A., it's not going to just take me to straight to L.A. I'm going to take me to here. Then I got to take gas to stop here and then maybe give me some rest stops and restaurant recommendations to stop here. But I know eventually I'm going to get to L.A. So when it comes to our five year plan, obviously five years is a long time from now, but there's going to be steps and rest stops and restaurants and gas stations and different things where I know that I can progress and see my progression of ultimately getting to where I'm going to go in five years. What's one of your stretch goals right now, whether it's personal, whether it's business, soccer? Yeah. Business, uh, that's a great question. I think frugal athlete, a stretch goal would be uh, seven figures in revenue. I think that's one of our stretch goals. I I know we can get there. I know there's like a structure and how to do it. It's just, you know, making sure that, you know, we we organize ourselves in a way to handle what it would take to get to that point. I love that. Oh, my goodness. And maybe your story is so interesting and I... Honestly, we could keep chatting for days, but I'm mindful of your time. So I've got a couple of key questions as we start to wrap up. Okay. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? Oh, greatest failure. Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'm not sure if it's like a failure, but like, yeah, probably a failure, I guess. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I was a free agent for a year. So, uh, you know, after 2017, I played two playoff games. And usually after you play the playoff games, like that's a good thing. Um, but things happen where I didn't get re-signed. And, um, you know, being a professional athlete for over 10 plus years, you wouldn't think of that. Like, wow, how come he was a free agent? So I would probably say that was like, 
a failure in the sense of like, you know, no one wants you. That's not a great feeling to have. Um, but it was the best thing for me at the time that I just didn't realize it. Um, so being that free agent for that year during those pivotal years too, um, was a unique experience. Um, but I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about, you know, some of the things that I'm doing, um, learned a lot about like just the cruel world of sports, even though you, you've seen it before, but when it happens to you, it's a little bit different. And then biggest win to date, um, I guess starting a fruit athlete, even though like the win didn't come like immediately once I started it, but because I started it, a whole new lane of opportunities has developed. And I could have easily said like, no, nah, I'm cool making my money playing soccer and chilling and, you know, doing what I need to do. Um, but starting something that I had no business, let me not say no business starting, but no like extra incentives to start initially um, has helped me tremendously. And it's going to be the reason why. Uh, hopefully I can transition uh, out of sports, you know, seamlessly and have a unique plethora of opportunities um, with some of the stuff that I, I'm passionate about. I love that. How can we create opportunities for ourselves? Oh, that's a great question. I think uh, the biggest thing is you got to be a value add. Um, you know, I think you have to be a value add and you have to be a, con a contributor. So a lot of times when people um, look for opportunities, it's almost like, um, who's going to give me, who's going to, um, who's going to give me, who's going to give me, who's going to give me. And it's like, no, what are you giving to the situation to hopefully receive at the end of the day? Cause we all, we all want to receive, we all want to receive, but when you give, that's when you receive, everything comes full circle. So for me is, uh, serve before you can sell, create impact before you try to make some income. And at the end of the day, be a contributor. Um, the more you contribute, the more you're looked at as a subject matter expert, the more you're looked at as an aggregator of information, the more you're looked at as a value add. And then from there, that's when the opportunities come because people are like, uh, we like your insight or we know you can make that connection or, you know, you've been helping us. We, we people feel like they owe you something when you, when you help and you help and you help. Uh, and that's when opportunities come. So, um, I think. You know, the famous Kennedy quotes like, ask not what you can do, uh, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Um, you, you spin that quote a little bit and apply it to something that you're maybe passionate about, whether you want to, you know, enjoy uh, cooking and you want to start a cooking blog. It's like share your favorite recipes and people are like, yo, we want you to be like our culinary expert. You know, that's how these opportunities come. You'd be more surprised. And the, the tough thing about it is like you might do something, you know, for a year and you might not see an opportunity. But that year and day one is when you see all the opportunities come your way. So for me, it's like, you know, give, give, give um, and you will receive at the end of the day. Oh, I love it. Look, Amobi, over the last 10 years as a professional athlete and I think almost five years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received so much recognition for your work. Uh, thank you. And, you know, most notably this year you were featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Um, uh, most of it we touched on earlier today, but I would say fail forward. That's, that's the big one. Like, you know, you know, everyone like wants to wait for the perfect opportune time to like really, you know, dive into what they may need to do. But if you fail forward, you know, you give yourself time to iterate, you understand what works so you could double down. Um, 
and you you know you're always moving forward once one foot in front of the other. I would say be a value add. Always figure out where you can you know um, find ways to provide value. And I think um, the third one is follow up. You know, ninety eight percent of people they'll have opportunities, but they don't follow up. So um, whether it's the meeting time, whether it's you know saying you're going to do something, whether it's someone gives you a connection and you know you follow up with the email, uh, follow up, be consistent. And I think those three steps, you're going to be more successful than you're not going to be successful at the end of the day. I love it. Ah, so good. And Moby, look, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing for showing us, and particularly us young, ambitious millennials, that if we have that vision, that goal and that dream, we actually can go out there and make it happen and make it our reality if we stick at it, if we dive with two feet in and for that, we really appreciate you. No, nah, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, it's a pleasure and I can't wait to connect again. Amazing. So look, the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers okay. to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's a good question. The value of pursuing. I think the, question, uh, the answer is freedom. Yeah, I think the answer is freedom. Because uh, a lot of us are tied to some of the responsibilities and like social insecurities and, you know, things that we, we think that are necessary but aren't. Um, but the value of pursuing something that you're most passionate about, that's the freedom of having your own choice, having your own wants, having, you know, the ability to whether you're successful or not, it's your decision and, and you know, having the decision to do what you want. That's that's freedom at the at the end of the day. I love it. Ah, a movie. It's been so, so awesome. Thank you so much. Where can we learn more about you and a frugal athlete? No, nah, most definitely. And once again, thank you so much for having me on. Um, if you want to connect with me, uh, at Amobi says on all platforms, uh, www.afrugalathlete.com. If you want to learn more about a frugal athlete, um, at a frugal athlete on Twitter and Instagram as well. Amobiakugo on LinkedIn. Uh, if you want to connect on a personal level, www.amobiakugo.com. And uh, yeah, I'm always willing to collaborate, always trying to you know connect with different people. So yeah, make sure you guys reach out, whether DMs, email, you know, whatever. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, 
look amongst. Mm.